Signs of the Southland, Sunday, November 14th, 2021. Mr. Grant, we have a lot of signing day news to get to before we talk about the women's basketball game that we were just at, as well as some men's basketball action. Would you like to do the honors and start us off on a signing day recap? Sure. Uh, given that women's basketball is first up, let's leave them first up in the signing day talk. Uh, Nell and the gang signed four players. Um, guard, Raven Boswell out of Austin, Texas. Let's see, we got Kara Dunn out of Kennesaw, Matt Perrin, for those familiar, uh, another guard, Tony Morgan out of Tallahassee uh, from the FSU Lab School, the one that we noted a couple weeks ago. And then we also have, oh, I did not practice this name, yes. Inez Nugoro Otreal. Yep, thank you. Uh, could have been a lot worse. Um, another guard, uh, this one's out of Spain, uh, Nell and the gang, like we've noted in the past have recruited internationally very well. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, all of them look very solid. Uh, we have already spoken about Tony Morgan, but looking at Otreal, um, uh, definitely good to see some experience playing uh, three, men, three on three uh, national team. That's, you know, great experience against good competition from Dunn. It's also worth noting that she's a multi-sport athlete, volleyball, um, so yeah, all over the board. Um, number one, small forward in Georgia. Number two, overall, uh, 2022 from Georgia by Preps Girl, Prep Girls Hoops, um, 49 and 61 uh, in terms of national rankings, 16th at the position. Very, very, very solid. Uh, Raven Boswell, also a volleyball athlete as well. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks like even if you bundle together sort of the size that both of these players have, if I saw the post here correctly, and then also their cross-court ability, especially with volleyball, you're looking at two, what Tech wants to do. They want to be, be big on the boards and have that jumping and athletic ability um, so that they can play really solid, you know, second-chance offense. Yeah, it's also worth noting that Raven Boswell... Um, her father, Mark, uh, two-time Olympic high jumper for Canada. So for genetic yeah. jumping ability, Mr. Grant. I was going to say, if we're talking about recruiting for jumping, um, I don't even think you knew that that was part of part of her whole dealio. But uh, definitely great to see. Uh, very well-rounded uh, for for the class. A lot of size, a lot of raw athletic talent. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to tennis. Actually, golf, because I didn't see what tab you had open. Golf. Yes, uh, looking at golf, inked three. Um, pair of top 100 players, Hiroshi Tai of Singapore by way of Windermere, Florida. Wow, just reading that straight off of Ramblin' Wreck. That's a, a long adventure. But then we've also got Aiden Tran from Fresno, California, as well as a local boy, Brady Rackley. Um, ooh, want to hear a fun fact about Hiroshi Tai? Go for it served a two-year stint in the Singapore Navy following high school graduation and will enroll in January. Interesting. So, so we I, might see him in the spring. Yeah, potentially. I think, I mean, that's a normal sort of requirement for 18-year-olds uh, in that part of Asia. Yeah, so I'm not surprised. I, there's a kid from my freshman floor who had to interrupt his undergrad to do his time in the South Korean military. So you just get drafted randomly. But uh, yeah, so he'll be a little bit older and he'll be able to start Playing golf starting in January, so some of these some of these guys are coming down the pipe a lot sooner than you'd think. Mm -hmm. um, Coach Hepler noted that this is one of the best classes they've ever signed, 
And uh, given how this team has reloaded, and the fact that Ty can step up right away, I think that's that's a pretty good sign, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is, let's look at these rankings here, uh, number 40 on the junior golf scoreboard, number 11 in his class, and then uh, top, uh, just around the top 500 in the world amateur rankings. That's a really good ad for a team that is still sort of looking at replacing that top-level talent from Andy Ogletree, from yeah. uh, Tyler Sharfacci, those U.S. amateur champions. So even though they made the tournament, they made the final round of the tournament last year, it, it, you're still looking for that one one guy or even that two guy behind Bartley Forrester. Yeah, right? uh, and so, Crystal Lamprecht's up there and, too. And Lamprecht as well. But it's also worth noting that uh, Ty is, uh, has experienced top 15 at Asia Pacific Amateur Championship, a um, couple other tournaments, Southeastern Asian Games, uh, third place finish in, in Florida in his like high school tournament. So you, you love to see the the you know just that experience in terms of playing and you know high level golf and, and being in pressure situations. Too. And you also know he's conditioned because he's <laughs> been in military training for two years. Oh yeah. So uh, if they got a you know sprint from hole to hole, maybe maybe that'll be. They're gonna do it Mario Golf style. <laughs> True. Um, notes on others: Aiden Tran, number twenty-two in his class uh, in the Golf Week Index. They pulled Great him from Fresno. Yeah. I mean, why do you think we got to the West so much? Maybe, maybe we're getting some good golfers. Is that what Bruce tells tells kids' parents? Like, we're gonna play out here, so you're gonna have ample amount of time to see your kids. Yeah. We play out here all the time in uh, Palo Alto, in Palo Alto, and Scottsdale, and like, Scottsdale in tournaments sponsored by like Wyoming, and not the schools that are nearby. Georgia State sponsored the Maui Gym, I think. Uh, geography is completely meaningless. Oh, yeah. Um, We're a globalist society now. Anyway, please continue. Yeah. Uh, also, top 45 on the junior golf scoreboard, uh, so we can compare apples to apples. Um, Brady Rackley, the love at school, local. Um, you know, love to see that. Getting getting some boys from back home, too. State and regional champion. Yep. Um, again, that's playing well under pressure, and, and you're, you're not going to... Uh, you're not going to have too much to worry about bringing in three folks as well because uh, you can only play five at a time so having a wealth of experience in, in the guys that we have as well as you know bringing in new folks honestly the the hardest the hardest spot and, and Passner talks about this with basketball uh, in, in these sports with short rotations short benches but in golf the most particular sometimes it's just hard to get everyone the minutes that they need so hopefully we can we can figure that out between the, the team and the individual cards. Uh, absolutely. What's next on your list of tabs here? Let's go to tennis. Tennis! Tennis! Tell me about it. Yeah, so very familiar name in terms of the men's tennis class. Robert Bauer, um, competed to play tennis at Tech. Five-star recruit, brother of former Tech men's tennis player Zummy Bauer, number one ranked player in Georgia, uh, as high as 51 nationally. Um, this is great to see. I mean, tennis is a little bit different. You might go, oh, five-star recruit. But tennis also has this thing called blue chip recruits, which are better than five star recruits. So not it kind of feels like getting a football four star, but pivoting to women's tennis, uh, we have Alex Alejandra, sorry, um, Cruz from Mexico. Um, great international experience, represented Mexico on the Mexican team for the Fed Cup. Um, couple international tournament titles, great 
Great to see uh, top 70 in the ITF Worldwide Juniors um, participated in the US Open Juniors qualifying draw, number two under 18 recruit in Mexico. Uh, again, ton of international experience and plans to major in industrial design, so. Which we also learned was uh, Nareem Hermosa's major earlier today. Which, you know what? If you want to be a varsity athlete and do ID, then God's stronger than me. God stronger than me. Godspeed. What's next on the agenda? Uh, let's see. Do you want to talk baseball? Let's go to the baseball diamond. Georgia Tech's latest recruiting ranking from perfectgame.org is number 11 in the nation with an average player rating or ranking. I'm not entirely sure which of those it is. It doesn't really say. Of 6.11, which I believe we counted out and was about ranked 16th overall there. Uh, that class includes... Uh, 18 total commits, one in the top 100. Yeah, um, in terms of the breakdown of the class, we have uh, three pitchers, three outfielders, two infielders, and a catcher, um, catcher being Lamar King out of Perry Hall, Maryland, uh, our infielders, Dimitri Diamant, uh, out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Bishop uh, Gorman! That Wait, that's the Bryce Harper and... What's a space school, I, isn't it? I think so. Aren't they really good at football, too? No, that's the Bishop Gorman in Texas? California? I don't know. There's a lot There's, of those. Anyways, Las Vegas, Nevada, Bishop Gorman. Um, solid program. Nicholas Sinisi from Sonoya, Georgia. He went to East Coweta. Um, and that's Sinisi, not Sinise, as I read it the first time. No relation to Gary. <laughs> Riley Stanford out of Gainesville. Um, he's an outfielder, along with Parker Brosius from Lambert. Uh, Jace Blalock from Trinity Christian, so, you know, familiar local types. And then we have our pitchers, um, Logan Bogu, Bogue, something like that. Bogue, my guy, Bogue. I'll, I'll learn uh, eventually. Out of Habersham Central in Mount Airy, uh, we have Noah Samol uh, from Mason, Ohio. Ooh, Midwest Pole. I, I do like that. I, if that's the Mason, uh, the William Mason School I'm thinking of, then that is a very good swim program that I don't know a lot about their baseball program and will probably have to learn more about. Obviously, this is not very interesting content. Anyways, uh, rounding that out with Cam Freeman from North Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. So, good pitching. We like to see pitching. Um, I know that I only listed like nine names there and we said there were 18 commits, but uh, this is what the Signing Day article has uh, in terms of tech for what they're highlighting. Uh, if we cross-reference with perfect game uh, we will also note um, that there are a couple other folks as well uh, Luke Schmolk is a pitcher out of Mooresville we have uh, Brant Brogham uh, from Buford I don't know this is great content Actually, this is a really good this is a really good list I saw one name on there that interests me I think it was a Riley Stanford from Gainesville Georgia I am wondering well he's on the other list Click, click, oh. click back to the other tab. I'll go back to the other tab. No, he was at the... Anyway, he, I'm wondering if he's related to Cameron Stanford. Oh. And I don't know how I would figure that out other than a nice, good Instagram stalking session. But uh, I'm not going to advertise doing that. Yeah. Um, also worth noting that we got somebody from your high school. So, uh, wow. It's been... Decades since I've been there. I don't know if the, uh, caring about that is in my wheelhouse anymore. Moving on. Softball? Softball uh, next? Let's check softball. Um, it's interesting. The list on the site had three players, uh, so we'll focus on that. We got, uh, oh goodness, I should know how to say this name. Shame on me. Paige 
Vuka Dinovich uh, from Munster, Indiana, um, close-ish to home for myself. Um, Reese Hunter, Roswell, Georgia from Roswell. Hi, Jaden Gailey uh, from Livonia, Georgia, Franklin County High School. Um, noted noted uh, rival of my alma mater, Roswell High School, by the way. Yep. Um, yeah, you had uh, Page B off of Iowa Premier, which is a good program. Um, don't know much about the other two, but... Uh, there wasn't a lot, but they got... I mean, Topo did a really good job of covering their athletes on, on Twitter. Uh, and so I would go check them out for more coverage. We're just providing yeah. a short summary. Yes. Um, speaking of another program that provided a lot of good uh, Instagram and Twitter coverage, that would be Swimming and Diving. Um, again, great, uh, great well-rounded class, but I think the talk of this class has to be the fact that we keep looting Turkey for basically all they've got. There's a lot of jokes that I can make about that, and I don't think any of them are appropriate for public dis uh, public distribution. But yeah, Denise Artan, uh, freestyler out of An Ankara, Ankara. Ankara. God, names are it's hard It's the today. Turkish capital, my guy. Yeah, anyways, uh, number seven ranked commit in the class. Um, this is a Kayo Pumpudis level get for the women, and that is Awesome, awesome, The Turkey awesome. to Atlanta pipeline continues to prosper. It continues to live, and it's fantastic. And let's, let's hit the hand more times. There we go. Um, Exciting content. I'm sure that totally didn't mess up the uh, monitoring on the audio broadcast here. Charles Perks, uh, top 50, 51. So right around that 50 uh, mark in, uh, in his class for the free and fly out of Canton, Connecticut. Um, swam for West Hartford Aquatic Team. In terms of you know coming up, let's see. There's another name that I wanted to highlight. Oh yes, Kendall Chun, uh, Clemson. Thank you for shutting down your swimming program and allowing us to pilfer all the best recruits from South Carolina. Um, that's about all I got on that class. But there, there's a lot of them. Go check out uh, their social medias for for more on that. There's one name I want to highlight. If you scroll further up on the list, there's one guy from Brazil. Oh, uh, uh, Joao Rodriguez? Yeah, jo Joao Victor Caballero Rodriguez, who's a breast and I am guy from Sao Paulo. That's another thing, right? That's another um, another pipeline that Tech has worked on developing. That sounds from like they went, we need Kyo.2, let's go. Also, he's from, I am uh, guy from Sao Paulo. He's from Corinthians in Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. I, uh, that usually means something, but yeah. I have to check if Corinthians is still, it's if it's the same thing. I think the Corinthians listed there is the same as the one that's the soccer club from, from uh, Brazil, but I'm not entirely sure. I probably should have looked that up first. That's uh, cool. There's that's also cool. one, there's also a commit for my alma mater. So yeah. that's also super cool. Let's move on further down the list. What do we have left? Oh, I was going to say one more. Um, Christopher Richardson out of the University Lab School. Another tech get from right under the nose of a state lab school uh this time from lsu it's really weird yeah. how they keep doing that yeah. but also i'm not gonna not gonna knock it yeah a couple more from up in the midwest uh we've had some good gets out of illinois indiana ohio wisconsin in the past so good to see them back up in uh in westerville columbus and then germantown wisconsin so do you want to do you want to try your hand at pronouncing the name of the commit from Germantown, Wisconsin, Mr. Grant? Oh man, I'm I should. I'm doing this on purpose because when I sent this, when I sent the commit alert to him, he was he immediately started crying about how hard this would be to pronounce. Oh no, I did not. Um, Sabina Merzaglad, 
something like that. I'm I'm too Polish to mess up that name, but yet here I am. So. Freestyle and I am her. Yeah, so. good get from Wisconsin. Yep, good 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 to see. I'm I'm pretty pleased, honestly, across the board with with uh, whether that's golf, um, the tennis, the swimming, or uh, or the baseball. So. I think we still have one more category. Uh, what did we miss? Cross country. Oh, there was only one commit listed, which seems to not be right. But we do have Grace Marston out of Brayton, Bradenton, Florida, uh, for a distance. So. I'm surprised that's not an IMG recruit. Yeah, well, I guess there are more schools in Bradenton, Sarasota area than just IMG. Interesting. Uh, anything else on the list that we have missed? Um, I mean, there's there's more names we could mention, but go ahead and check out the. Um, the content on the social medias for for those teams but yeah that's that's what we got based on ramblingrec.com and and perfect game and college swimming so cool i, I honestly that was like half of the stuff that we had on our uh, on our shot sheet today but we did end with talking a little bit about uh cross-country recruits so maybe we should start there in terms of recap of the week cross country was at the ncaa south regionals i think that was in huntsville alabama Yep. This past weekend, the men finished 13th, the women finished 9th. Uh, Nicole Feagans uh, netted herself all South Region honors. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. You mentioned that she just narrowly missed the cut for an auto bid yep. uh, to the full NCAA field. Uh, she should, I think you said, get an at-large bid. Uh, and also it was uh, Mary Kate? Mary, Kate Mary Catherine Knoll. Uh, not Mary Catherine. That's my bad. Mary Catherine Knott's first race of the season. Uh, so they finished a little bit better than expected with her return. Yep. Um, I would probably say both of these finishes are a little bit below what the team was expecting. Oof. Um, really, uh, really biffed that one. Yeah. Not on to, my part. Not to completely pull the rug out from you. Uh, from that, uh, the women, uh, you know, ranked team most of the year wanted wanted probably to make it back to. To nationals, but you know, hopefully, uh, Feagans at least gets to run uh, an individual race um, next week or two weeks. I think it's next. Week. I think it's next week. It's uh, before Thanksgiving. Yeah, haven't seen anything on the site though, so we will uh, keep you posted uh, on Twitter if we see anything with that. Absolutely. Let's dribble over into men's uh, basketball uh, coverage. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, I am an excellent segue person. Uh, men's basketball started their season. At home versus Miami of Ohio, uh, a very tight game in which they lost by three points. Uh, and then they came back a couple days later and uh, really beat up on Stetson. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they uh, exercised some demons on that one. But uh, I know I said last week that a 5-0 and week was the expectation and anything else would be a disappointment. But 4-1, uh, and one, if there was one that was going to be a loss, this is probably... The best one for two Ben. It's the opener of the year. Miami returned 99% of their minutes in production. Um, you know, Passner with just had a, just had a kid. Like they're trying to figure out these new rotations. And and the thing is too, he owned it in the post. Like we mm-hmm. sat through that post game. Yeah, we li- and- we listened to the post game, and he was very like you were saying. Going to say he was very aware of the weaknesses of his team. And I don't think he really shied from it. the weaknesses of his own coaching, too. Yeah, and the weaknesses of his I think he was very aware of what the team had to work on and where those deficiencies were. And and even despite sort of the blame... Blame game is a little bit harsh to call it during the presser, but even despite that conversation about 
what the weaknesses were. This was a really close game. I, I mean, I, I think when he was talking about, you know, a couple more shots go our way and this is a win, he's not wrong. I, I think there's a couple possessions near the end, because I was listening on the radio, there were a couple possessions near the end that were a little bit mismanaged, uh, where I think they were trying to force the ball to Michael DeVoe uh, and get something going, uh, get something distance going. Um, maybe that was the wrong approach. And I think that's something that you'll see them work on is in those tight situations, maybe get a little bit more refined. And obviously during the non-con season is where you want to get that worked out because once you hit ACC time, you better, you better know. You had better have that tightened up. And, and we saw that last year, right? We saw that with an eight, they rode like an eight, eight game win streak or like a seven and one streak into the tournament or into the conference tournament and then into the NCAA tournament. So they clearly, Josh Pastor and his crew are clearly capable of making those adjustments. Yes. And um, I will note that Miami did score, I believe, the last nine points of the game. Don't quote me on the exact number. They did score the last two. I was on call for work, so it was very tough to, um, it was very tough to not be able to watch the home opener, but, uh, you know, I did go back and watch the highlights after, uh. When I was able we, to, we but, thank um, you for your service. Yeah, you know, just the the commitment to the podcast. But um, no, in terms of the Miami game, like I said, they returned most of their players. Um, you said they were working through Devoe at the end, which is true. And and Pastner said it as much in, in the post game presser that you know uh, Jose used to play forty minutes. Moses used to play pretty close to forty minutes. Uh, maybe there's a world where you need to be you know not playing players for. 35, 38, 40 minutes and, and giving them some spells of rest down the end so that way Has they're a little Has Josh Pastner dis- discovered the magic of a longer bench? Say it's not so. He, he, he did say he may be playing with an eight to nine man bench this year. And, and what we were saying about when we were talking about when we mentioned golf and, and bringing in all these studs that like, you only have 200 minutes to go around during a game and you're going to want the ball in, like, like you got to play five players at, at one time and you know, Rodney Howard's getting better, and, and we know Jordan Usher and Michael DeVoe, what they're capable of. Bubba Parr, once he's back, whenever that is, what he's capable of. But, like, you know, Coleman and King and and Sturdivant and all these new newer or, or less first-man-off-the-bench players of, of last year are going to need that time not only just to play, um, but it's going to be figuring out who's the right man for the right situation and also that, that load management balance. Yeah, and, and I think... It, it, these early season games are figuring out who you can trust, right? Figuring out who is capable of carrying that load. Uh, like load, the operative part of load management is management. <laughs> yeah, you need to have the players that are capable of shouldering the bulk of that. And this is where, like I said, this is where those players sort of separate themselves out. We know, we know what Michael Debo can do. We know what Jordan Usher can do. Let's see some of those younger kids separate themselves from the rest of the pack and join the more regular rotation. And even if they can't, I have no problem with having a longer bench and getting the same production that uh, Jose Alvarado and, and uh, uh, Wright had from a longer bench and having more rotation. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's a time and a place for, for a lot of different things and, and Passner learning to adapt and his staff learning to adapt is something that they've admitted they have to do. And it's very... Refreshing to see a candid and direct post-game press conference, and and quite frankly, again, if you're gonna have to lose and, and learn the lessons, do it in the first game. 
you know, if, if you gotta struggle, you gotta struggle, but it, it's... If you gotta bleed a while, you bleed a while. It is the... Now's the time to do it. The, the season's not over. Um, and then we, we have a couple of games coming up this week, so hopefully, you know, the, the goals always go 2-0, so let's let's bounce back. Absolutely. So those games that you mentioned, they will play tomorrow night versus Lamar, uh, and then they will head up to Athens on Friday night. That's a 9 p.m. tip on the SEC Network. Let's talk about the other team that plays at McCamish Pavilion, Georgia Tech Women's Basketball, which capped off a 3-0 and week today just a few short hours ago with a 13 point win over a scrappy belmont team uh they beat central michigan away 74 to 40 kennesaw state at home to open the year 72 45 and then the aforementioned 13 point win over belmont i think this scoreline is misleading for the belmont game because you we were talking about it as we were walking back belmont is a good team. They gave a Gonzaga last year, and that's women's basketball Gonzaga fair, but like they still gave still number five, five team. Yeah, number five Gonzaga scare last year in the NCAA tournament. I think you said it was in the tournament, right? Um, I can't remember. Let me check. Okay, well, you Keep look it up. I will vamp. Um, they, this game was close for the most part. Tech had trouble putting the ball in the basket during the third quarter, and they did not tighten up on defense until the basically the second half of the fourth quarter and really lock it down. Uh, and, and these are some of the things that we've seen in seasons past as well. And you have that Belmont yeah, score up. It uh, was Belmont 64, Gonzaga 59 in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so it, it, it's a scrappy team. Right. Yeah. The Grappy team has won in the past. They they were obviously a tournament team last year out of the OVC. So a lot of Belmont fans in town. A lot of Belmont fans and a lot of like <laughs> rabid support. I mean, they got they got they got as close as 42-40, I think at, at at one point in the third quarter. Actually, the fourth quarter. I think it was 45-43 again. And it too. was loud. It was loud for Belmont when Tech had, was forced to take a timeout and sort of regroup, but that's sort of the that's sort of the key for Nell Fortner has been making those late game adjustments and finding ways to win, and she's been able to do that game over game over game. And this was another result that Tech just kind of had to grind out, right? Yeah, uh, I think in particular uh, uh, we do want to point out that this game wasn't necessarily won in the same way that we saw past years or, or past editions of this Tech team win. Um, you know, whether that's newcomers or just players who last year didn't see as the court as much, whatever that winds up being. Um, I'm trying to pull up the uh, exact box score because I don't want to misquote this stat that I'm thinking of. But, um, yeah, uh, Elisabetta Bellani, uh, 17 minutes off the bench, uh, was 3 from 6 from the field, which doesn't sound all that, uh, you know, overwhelming or anything like that, but her defense was great um committed one foul but drew three seven points um that three-pointer was kind of a, a heave of a throw but it was a very necessary one it was a panic kind of shot it was yeah. a panic shot and i think you could sort of tell by the not necessarily the look on her face but by the way that she took it it was just sort of like you said it was a heave mm-hmm. but it went in and i think that was sort of where you saw the tables turn tech was like okay we were able to put the ball in the basket again. Now let's get back on defense. 
let's lock down a little bit, let's get a little bit more comfortable. And that's when space started to close for Belmont on the on their offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Star, uh, Stratmana, uh, another worth pointing out, 17 points. Uh, she was one for three from three. Um, 35 minutes, or not, sorry, not, um, words. Lower my lot and had 17 points. It was one from three. Dina Stratmana was one for two from three, but that three also came at an important time. 18 flat, minutes. Flat curve on that three. Oh, that was yeah. a line drive three. But uh, the two of those being who I want to highlight in terms of new faces. Uh, Bulane being a freshman and uh, Stratman being a transfer. Fifty-year uh, transfer Syracuse. from Syracuse. Uh, it is worth noting that she had a tremendous uh, first game against Central Michigan as well. Uh, in terms of the rest of the squad, Lottman led the way with 17, as noted. Kabai with 15. Uh, Loyal McQueen struggled a little bit from the field, 0 for 4 from 3, 1 for 7 from field goal range uh, for two points. Norea Hermosa reeled in six, but played some great defense, eight rebounds. Uh, Kubai, thousandth point to seal the game, always good. Um, and then Sarah Bates, an 0 for 4 from three. So I think one of the takeaways from this game has to be being pretty cold from three and, and not really being able to space yeah. out the floor, um, but even then still being able to work towards the middle and, and score when you needed to. But uh, We've definitely seen more offensively efficient games, I'd say. Yeah, Tech had a definite size advantage in this game. Yep. I, I don't think that... When Tech goes four bigs, it was hard for Belmont to match up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when the table sort you Again, another adjustment where the table started to turn there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of trouble from three, like you said. But one of the recurring themes that I think we saw is... Kubai was consistently asked to be at the top of the key a yep. couple of times there. and that, when, Even when you're playing with two or three bigs, you kind of expect those bigs to be on the post and not really floating that high on the field. Maybe it's just me and my like old basketball knowledge, but Kubai has never struck me as a three-point shooter. <laughs> Uh, and so asking her to sit up there is just kind of a waste of her talent. I, I, mean, I mean, she dribble drives really well. Um, and especially she's able to use her size really well on the offensive side of the ball. But why are you starting her at the... Well, I mean, why are you, why is she floating that high up the court is basically my, my question. Yeah, that's that's a fair question. And um, it could just be the, the realities of the lineup we were playing today. Um, as noted, Kubai, Hermosa, McQueen, Love, Lodamai played the majority of the minutes, uh, but were also spelled by Stratman, Bates and Belani. Um, so pretty short rotation. Uh, only eight folks still haven't seen Fletcher play. Fletcher um, was in sweats on the sideline this game. I don't know about the others, but yeah. it's. I think we were talking about this when we were walking back. The thing with Tech starting out these season, the last two seasons under Nell Fortner, has been they have struggled early without Fletcher there to sort of lead the attack. And I, I equated it to the deal with football where. You have two options to lead your offense, that one of which has a low is more volatile, right? That's Loyal McQueen in the basketball case, which has a who has a lower lower floor but a much higher ceiling, and compared to Kiara Fletcher, who has maybe a slightly lower ceiling in terms of top line talent, 
which which you can argue, right? I think it's something that you, I, something it, that you can argue. Maybe, I'd say it's more polished rather than yeah. just not there. Well, well, it, she's got she's just got five years of being super refined right. at this point. Right. So what she makes up in sort of the talent delta, like the raw talent delta, she makes that up in being in, super good at her job. Yeah. In, in skill, in skill and refinement, um, and and training and experience. Yep. And so when. When you have some, when you're not able to put that person on the floor, your offense is a little bit disjointed, and we're seeing that again, right? We saw this exact same thing. They weren't able to score a lot of points coming, starting the season last year as well, uh, and they struggled today in the first three quarters, more or less, to put points on the board. I just, uh, <laughs> I can't get over this. I, I noticed this um, not so much last year, but definitely in the CMU game, and, and then today is. I just get very similar vibes uh, from watching Loyal McQueen uh, as watching Todrick Jackson. Uh, something that I find is exciting, um, but exciting also, is one word. Yes, but also just man, like it is, it is transcendent sometimes just to watch like the the process unfold. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. I need to do something. I'm gonna make it happen, um, and uh, you know, eventually that's gonna start falling because you know this team even though they weren't terribly offensively efficient today, is too talented and works way too hard for it not to come around. And so. you saw that. And, you and saw they that still won by 13. So Yeah, they, and, and none of those points were like garbage time points oh, at no. all. Like Belmont was, <laughs> Belmont was close with like five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Like this was a tight game. Again, this, the final score here, the 13-point margin, is not indicative of how close this game was for wide stretches yeah. Of it, I mean, Belmont was leading for for the, most of the first quarter, the entire first quarter. They they led fifteen to eleven at the first break. Yeah, and, and they they played really good man defense. Yep. For uh, uh, for their credit, to their credit, and I think it was a really good challenge. Uh, and I'm looking forward to to what comes next for this team and how they build off of this performance, the Georgia Tech specifically, how they build off of maybe a disappointing statistical performance but a gritty physical performance versus Belmont here yep um, and, and again you may be wondering out there hey like you guys are really focusing on this Belmont game was it just because the one you were at yes well, one yes but also two it was by far I think the game that we learned the most about this team this week yeah I mean it's also the one that we could all actually watch and yeah. actually gain some insight from. Speaking of other games that we can gain some insight from, uh, one of those will not be the game that Georgia Tech plays at ETSU later this week. There is no stream listed. Hopefully, uh, I, hopefully they send Richard and the gang, Richard and Courtney, up to uh, up there to at least have a radio stream. Right? Now I have to figure out where ETSU is. Uh, Johnson I, City. Johnson oh. City, Tennessee. I don't know where that is in Tennessee, but hopefully... Eastern. It's ho- in eastern Tennessee. Uh, I, I hope Richard and Corey, like you said, are, are sent out there and we can get some, at least or, uh, at least hear about what's going on because there's certainly no TV stream. Yeah. Uh, and then Tech will host Auburn next week and next Sunday at 4 p.m. That will be on the ACC Network. That is the former coaching home of Nell Fortner back in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup. I think that'll be a very cool matchup to watch and like it, it's another test. Yep. Uh, of the level of competition. I am very sad that I'm going to be home for that game, but uh, get the ACC Network on TV, fool. I, I do. So it's then. Just, what are you complaining about? I'd like to go see it in person. I think it's going to be a good game. But um, yeah, 4 p.m. Sunday. Um, it's worth noting. Uh, 1500 in attendance at uh, McCamish 
it was a good crowd. Today. Good, good crowd. Um, we'll be eager to see them, you know, get get there, do support for being really good. So, um, one other random aside that I just had in terms of mental notes to mention: Tech did hold Belmont to four in the second quarter. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't have any way to tie that in, but it is worth noting. So, you want to talk about another team that usually plays very good defense? Uh, is it volleyball? It is volleyball. However, I said usually. Uh, Tech did drop uh, a sweep to number one ranked Louisville this past week, but every set was close. Uh, the third set went to tiebreakers. Uh, I think it ended at 27-25 for Louisville. Uh, the first two sets ended in 21-25, both to Louisville. It was a tough loss. Um, I, I don't... It's hard to say that we were high on the chances of success. It would have been, nice been nice to win a set, and they did come close. Yeah. Um, I think I would have been happy if they you know, made a dent and won a set. I am still pretty happy with their performance. Yep. Overall, keeping it close, at least giving Louisville a, a run for their money. I mean, if, even if they're going to sweep, at least it was close the entire stretch of the way. I'll right? put it like this. Tech scored 25 points in a set against Louisville. It just happened uh-huh. to be. It just happened to be a set in which Louisville scored twenty-seven points. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, the, the three sets: 25-21, 27-25. All of those are very close. Louisville is the only undefeated team in the country. They're the number one team in the country, and it's on the road on a Friday night. Uh, you know, is there like, a, is there an attendance? Oh yeah, yeah eleven hundred in attendance. That's basically like George Tech levels of attendance, mm-hmm. if not just under that. So, good crowd. Um, Tech only barely got out hit um, in all three sets. Good crowd. It, it's it's not at the Yum Center or anything like that. It's it's kind of like an O'Keefe equivalent for for Louisville. Uh, for those of you who are curious, maybe you're not. The L and N Federal Credit Union Center arena. Arena. I'm pretty sure that's just a a building attached to their student union. Don't know. Don't. No, it's sponsored by a credit union. No, I'm pretty sure it's like attached to their student union. It would be kind of crappy if they played in like just a random gym, like a practice gym for the basketball team, I or or like a rec center gym. That would be pretty disrespectful of Louisville. But alas, Louisville is prone to do some of these things. Sometimes. Let's see. I, I was gonna say I just drove past it, but that yeah, looks nice. It's, that looks exactly like O'Keefe. <laughs> look, look at all them banners though from from the years of being in Cusa and Big East and stuff. They have, they have. More than a few is how I. They have uh, podcasting is a visual medium. Um, one entire side, one entire long side of their court is filled with banners, uh, and then they have a twenty, what looks like a twenty fifteen and a twenty seventeen banner on the on the other side. But those are ACC banners. I don't think they won the conference in seventeen. That must be a NCAA appearance. Or no, did did they win in twenty seventeen? I don't know. Huh, maybe I'd have did. to pull it up. I thought Pitt had, had, you know, won every... Are you saying you put Pitt in in 2017? Yeah, it says conference champions 2017. Maybe I completely forgot about that. Interesting. Uh, interesting decision to sell naming rights for that arena. I hey. wonder how much that deal cost, but that's a personal personal thought, I guess. I, it was a close game. I don't, like I said, I don't think either of us expected a, a, a victory. Um, a, a set victory would have been nice, but, but you know, top team in the nation... Two million dollar, okay. Two million dollar naming rights deal. That's a lot of money for. 
yeah. for a volleyball arena. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, this this is the type of the part of the schedule where it gets very difficult, and, and it doesn't get easier, right? Yep. Um, number three, Pitt. I think Pitt is number three. I didn't yep. actually double check that. Uh, number three, Pitt uh, comes to Atlanta uh, on Friday. That's a four p.m. tip on the ACC network. That's another tough game versus, despite you know, Tech beating Pitt earlier in the season. Now you try to prove it again with a uh, in the home leg of that series. I uh, I this is completely left hand turn here. Uh, Louisville's win percentage at LNN. Do you want to guess guess what it is? Uh, at least seven hundred. It's eighty-seven percent, an eight seventy win Christ. percentage. So yeah, uh, even if they weren't the number one team in the country, it's very hard to go in, um, go into that building and win. And also, that was the fourth highest attendance ever at LNN Arena. Woof. So uh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it was a it was a top fifteen game. Yeah. And of course, they're they're spoiled. They got a top uh, top three matchup a couple weeks ago. But uh, you know, Georgia Tech, uh, the four p.m. against Pitt. Hopefully, I think it's a sellout. But it is a sellout. PM, it is officially a sellout. Hopefully, people can make it there. I know. Uh, I know. I will be unable to use my tickets. But um, yeah, to be packed. Four p.m. Rowdy ACC Network. It's good to see them on the big the big network. The big show on the big network. I, it'll be a good. It'll be a good game. It'll be a competitive game. And I, I mean, Tech knows how to adjust to this pit team. Oh they, yeah. They they understand. Even if the even if they won, like I said, even if they won in five sets, even if they won close, that still has some merit. Even if you go expected wins, yada yada yada, analytics. There's still some percentages, probabilities. There's still still some merit to the idea of you have beat this team, beaten this team before. How did you adjust to their adjustments? How did you know how they play? Let's recreate that performance and ride an, a, a rowdy home atmosphere and see what we can do with it. And I think that bodes well for Tech in this game. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Uh, I think that uh, you know we'll probably get disrespected by the coaches because we lost. Um, so don't. Don't look at anything that happens this week, RPI or coaches wise, and be like, "Meh." I mean, Georgia I Tech think played, be... Georgia Tech played, played the best volleyball team on the planet right now, and College almost almost won like a set, the set. a set. You can say all the sets, whatever. Um, but yeah, they'll have the opportunity. They've played Pitt even even less good previous editions of this team have paid, played Pitt very close. Um, so whatever it is, I guess we just match up well against them. Maybe. Uh, who's to say? Uh, I'm by no means the expert. I just do my best to figure I out this sport. To um, finish, to finish this out on the volleyball thing, I want to see what where Tech stands in the volleyball conference uh, rankings. We've got three losses, uh, so we definitely, definitely are tough to to get towards that uh, top of the pile with Louisville having no conference losses and us having lost twice. Louisville fourteen and zero in conference. Pitt thirteen and two in conference. Georgia Tech twelve and three in conference. So Pitt and Georgia Tech play head to head again. Uh, if Tech wins thirteen and three versus thirteen and three with the with a head to head advantage in two games, I think that should be enough to put Georgia Tech in second. I I, I think Louisville is kind of untouchable at this point. Um, they just, don't hang bang, banners for getting in second though, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Louisville will drop something late. 
Maybe it's, it's not in out of the question, but I think Tech, like we said, they they were ninth in the last selection committee rankings. I don't really expect that to change a whole lot. I think they'll still be a top sixteen team. Yep. At worst, uh, we'll just have to see where that lands uh, moving forward. Yeah, and honestly, that um, that selection committee matters, um, and, and our RPI matters a lot more than the coaches poll, anyways. So coaches poll bad. And, and honestly, hopefully we don't wind up 16th because that would mean we're facing Louisville in the Sweet 16. And I mean, I push, guess push them off another week. I don't want to have to go back to LNN for a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Anything else that you want to discuss? Uh, let's see volleyball. Um, Miami and Florida State still looking good. Notre Dame, I believe, is at sixth in the conference, so they're coming up. That looks better for us. Georgia Tech has done what they've needed to uh, in, in terms of this year and, and should not be held against them that they had to play Louisville and Pitt twice each this year. Um, that's kind of unprecedented, it's a rough, really. That's it's a, rough, a draw. rough draw. Considering you play four teams twice and one of them is going to be Clemson. Like, Oh, we also do have a game remaining against Clemson and one against FSU. So that'll Clemson be on the will, road for FSU. Clemson will bring down the RPI a good bit, huh? Yeah, well, we offer, we've we already played them, so hopefully not too, too bad. And also, they're 12 and 15 overall, so not not horrible. Noted 3 and 12 in the conference, Clemson. Yeah, well, good thing that they don't mention RPI uh, from from those conference It's records. fine. Clemson just puts all their money into football. They they very much do. Sure, um, getting a return on that investment this year. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they're all delighted to, to talk about that, much as we are also delighted to talk about football at this fine podcast. Thank you, Mr. Grant, for joining me today. Uh, plug your stuff. At FTRS blog, Twitter, uh, from the rumbleseat.com. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, um, things you want to tell us, from the rumbleseat at gmail.com or in the comments of any fine FTRS blog, uh, tweet, or, or column. But um, otherwise, that's all I got. That's all we got, too. Folks, we will see you next week. <laughs>